Hello and welcome to the Story Toolkit. I'm Basim El-Wakil, co-author of Action, The Art of Excitement with Robert McKee, and joining me is Luke Lionel, writer and part of the McKee Storylog team. So today we're going to talk about The Secret of Monkey Island, which is a computer game from the 90s. Out of left field. Yes. Excellent. We're going to talk about it because we're going to talk about storytelling and games and art. And the mixing of the two. Yes. And as always, if you want to get in touch, um, hit us through Twitter, at Basim Story, um, is where you send all your Abraham-related tweets. <laughs> uh, at Lucius Malcolm is me, and we have a website now. Check us out, thestorytoolkit.wordpress.com, and you can message us through there as well if you have any questions that you would like to ask. Admin Adam. <laughs> It's it's always much more pleasant when you say that at the end. Yeah, you? I just like getting uh, I like getting it out of the way. Okay, <laughs> maybe we should just record a section like nothing. That. No, nothing spells excitement like admin. Okay, fine. At the beginning of a podcast. <laughs> okay, so we're going to talk about games. Okay, um, now full disclosure, I am a huge games player. Yes, but not video games really. More, you're more video games. Yes. I'm board games and card games. And in fact, the only other podcast that I listen to with any regularity at all is the Drive to Work podcast by Mark Rosewater, who's the head designer of Magic the Gathering. Which is why I open my podcast with so today, because that's how he opens his. Because you love him. It's because it's he's in my mind, <laughs> and I can't get him out. Uh, but I, I, I have yeah. So I and I read a lot of articles about game design um, because Wizards puts out loads of articles on this stuff, and it's really fascinating. Um, and I found a lot of interesting things about it that apply to storytelling. So we might come back to specific principles and things that I've learned another time. But today we're going to just sort of talk about sort of a broad stroke aspect of storytelling in games. Yes, and we're going to use Monkey Island as an example. The uh, main example. Yeah, Monkey Island was an awesome video game from the 90s. Series. It was a series. Yeah. Yes, it's true. Uh, I, I know I played the first two. I don't... I, I, I know I gave a... I think I finished the third one. Yeah, I did do the third one. It's the fourth one I didn't do. Right. I did the first three. They were great. We're going to... We'll go through those properly um, in a... We'll go through Secret Monkey Island uh, in a bit. But first, before we get into it, we need to talk about storytelling in games. And we can't really talk about that without sort of addressing the debate. And the debate is can games be art? Right? That's the debate. Okay? And um, so this debate it has been going on for a while, and it's a very annoying debate. Because when the, the questions brought up, can games be art? The problem is a lack of definition by what people mean by games and what people mean by art. So games, generally this question, can games be art, is this. Are games frivolous and unimportant? And for children? That's the question. Yeah. Right? The answer. Cause I, cause, yeah, because I, I always feel when gamers ask that question yes. of... People are games are what they really mean is are, are games important? Like, yeah, are they... it reminds me of the question: Are comics art? Right there, you go. Right, are films art? This kind of question: Are yeah. they for children? Yeah, exactly. And the answer is, of course, in this in that sense: Are they important? Can they be wonderful? Can they be beautiful? Can they be impressively well done? Can they require craft? All those things. The answer is yes. 
games are incredibly brilliant. They, in fact, game board games at the moment are going through what's called something of a sort of golden age. Yeah, where games are getting better and better. The game, the design quality of board games today is at a level it's never been before, and it's remarkably impressive how well games are designed. Like people have, so many people don't realize this. People think, oh, we have Monopoly, Snap. You have no idea what games are like, and we don't mean just for serious geeks. We're talking about like just family games that are getting better that are just incredible like One Night Werewolf and uh, Resistance and Codenames yeah and these are fantastic fantastic games that will punch the face out of Monopoly and Snakes and <laughs> things uh, so board games today are, are really impressive um, so in that sense yes they're art however I disagree they're not art but not because of quality not because of importance. I love them. I've spent so much money on them and so much time on them. I'd hate to think they were a waste of time and money. <laughs> They're wonderful. I love games. Um, rather, what the difference is this. Games and art are very similar in this sense. They are both very similar processes of creative design. A lot of the principles that apply to producing any form of art, painting, music, story applies to game design you have an audience you have to focus your audience in the right areas you're trying to generate your audience's responses etc there's a lot of elements that are creative design that are very very similar um, almost identical between the two but the result of the process is vastly different the result uh, for games and are completely different in games you are active constantly making choices in art you are receptive you don't make choices these are two fundamentally different experiences in art you get you experience deep aesthetic emotions in games you're stimulated there's a difference it's not that games are worse or that being stimulated is worse or all the quality stuff i i haven't got any time for the, the craftsmanship it takes to create a game is incredibly difficult, just as it is the craftsmanship to produce a work of art. There are incredibly difficult things to do. They are incredibly rewarding things to experience, but the experience of them is diametrically different. They are completely different experiences. Uh, so it's what people are confusing is process for result. The process is the same, but the result is different. My analogy is always um, bodybuilding. <laughs> seriously uh, so bodybuilding there's this big argument like is bodybuilding a sport the answer is no it's not a sport it's a beauty pageant it's about how well you look but people think it's a sport because the training you go through to be a bodybuilder is very similar to the training you go through to be a marathon runner or an Olympic gymnast or whatever but, but the, the result is different exactly with you. In, the, in the sport what are you being judged on it's your physical performance in the bodybuilding world, what are you being judged on? It's on your visual appearance. It doesn't matter how much you can lift. There's a saying that <laughs> that we've been saying at the gym recently, which is, I'm not a weightlifter, I'm a bodybuilder. I, I don't care how much I can lift, I care about how I look. Right. Right? <laughs> so the process is very similar. In fact, bodybuilding might be tougher than most sports to do because you have to maintain the diet so strictly. You know? You have to be really, really strict with your diet to be a bodybuilder. So in some ways, bodybuilding is much tougher than a sport. 
much more difficult than a sport, but the result of what you're going for is so different. So it's the same with games and art. It's not that one is better than the other, it's that they're, they're fundamentally different things. They're both processes of creative design, but one results in the audience making choices, and the other one results in the audience receiving choices. That's the difference. Okay? So, can games be art? It's like saying, can a square be a circle? They're fundamentally different things. It's not, can they be the same thing? It's the two different things. Can they have some of the same qualities as uh, as art? Yes. Like beauty? Yeah, they can, oh, yeah be- games can be beautiful. You can yeah. totally fi- find the design of a game to be beautiful. I often find that being the case. I'm saying, oh, wow, what an incredibly elegant design. In fact, a lot of the times with Magic the Gathering, they put out a new set, and I'm like, wow, what an ingenious solution, design solution that is to that problem. In just the same way that if I'm looking at a story and I go, wow, what a great way to get out of that scene. What a great way to solve that turning point. Yeah. Right? It's the exact same thing. So, it's the, so absolutely, in terms of appreciation and critical reception, they game designers don't get enough respect for being game designers outside of the gaming community. They just don't. But then action writers don't get enough respect for running really great action outside of the action writing community. People think it's just explosions, you know? So it's not like it's unique to games, this problem. But uh, same with comic book writers and so on. So it like, is snobbery from outside the It's snobbery game from the outside the industry, and they're trying to legitimize themselves to those snobs. And to me, why bother? Right. If they don't respect you for what it is, then why, why do you care what they... You have to twist yourself to appease them. They're never going to be appeased by you. The point is that they think they're the ones with... Uh, that relationship is it's toxic. It's built on a power relationship. That's completely unbalanced. I have no time for it. So games are beautiful. Games are important. Games are impressive. Chess is magnificent. The design of chess. You know? Like these things are fantastic stuff. So, but they're not art. In the, in the sense that I'm saying. They're not art in that sense. They're beautiful. They're important. They're not art in the sense that art is a specifically different thing. Yeah. If there's not, when I say they're not art. I am not saying in any way, shape, or form of a qualitative distinction between the two in terms of what is good or important. It's simply a matter of definition. Yeah. A square is a square, a circle is a circle. Now, there are things, there are games that m- put stories into the game. And now, in fact, most modern gaming involves yes. uh, some kind of story. It mo- yeah, the vast the, majority it, does. In the beginning, it used to be kind you of ju- loose premise. Yeah. And then you just play Pong. game. Pong, right. Pac-Man. Pac-Man um, I'm th- like Mario Brothers didn't really have a story. You know, Rescue Princess. the Princess is not really a story. No, but he's got, you know, there's a spine of action. <laughs> yeah, I guess. But, it, but it's true. He goes through character change, eating <laughs> mushrooms. <laughs> mushrooms and gets bigger. But it's true. Like there wasn't really... Now, of course, story is a huge part of the industry. Yeah. And so it's worth talking about the mixing of and these actually, two. Yeah. And actually, um, uh, 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 critics of... Uh, like game critics pay attention to the kind of... The, yep. the stories that are told yep. now at the same time. Exactly. And um, so it's worth before we talk about... So we're going to talk about Monkey Island because Monkey Island is a really good example of mixing the two to show just the basic problem with mixing the two, which is they're two fundamentally different things. So how do you mix them? So the question isn't should you mix them, it's how. Yeah. If you want to do it, how? So Monkey Island, for those of you who don't know, Monkey Island was ripped off and turned into Pirates of the Caribbean. <laughs> uh, it's true. 
Uh, they based a lot of Pirates of the Caribbean on The Secret of Monkey Island. It's really obvious. Uh, Jack Sparrow is not in Monkey Island. That's the thing. No, that... I was going to say Jack Sparrow is not no. Guybrush Streetwood. But Orlando Bloom's character is essentially Guybrush Streetwood. Oh, is he? Yeah, uh, isn't he? Think about it. Oh, uh, yeah, no, I guess he is. Um, so, Guybrush Streetwood, by the way, is the character you play in The Secret of Monkey Island. And The Secret of Monkey Island is this you play a character who introduces himself as, I am Guybrush Streetwood and I want to be a mighty pirate. And the whole point of the story is you want to become a mighty pirate. And the game was what used to... They, they don't make them anymore, unfortunately. Uh, but it was one of... It's probably the best of these games called a point-and-click adventure. Where you click and the character would move to where you click on the screen. So this, the, the screen has these beautifully drawn graphic set, settings... Uh, and you click and he walks to that point you click he walks to that point you click on objects and it'll tell you if you can use the object in a certain way you click on a person you can talk to that person you click on an uh, an item you can pick up the item you can open the door you can you know do these kind of things right so the idea is you click on a command you click on a thing he does the thing you click walk to click on a space he walks to that space you click open you click on the door he opens the door that's how it works, okay? And you're amassing all kinds of clues and items and objects as you go through. And then you have to work out when is the right time to use the right item in the right way to get the next, to get carry on in the game, carry on in the story. So it's kind of like a puzzle, okay? But the puzzle is wrapped up in a story. Instead of like a jigsaw piece where you're trying to put things together to make a picture, you're putting pieces together to tell the story. That's how it works. Make sense? Yes. Good. Are you talking to me or the audience? I both. Okay. The audience can't respond, Luke. I've okay, but I, I've. I've <laughs> you've asked rhetorical questions before. It's true, rhetorical, audience. eh? Rhetorical. <laughs> Seven. I know uh, what you're talking about because I've played these games. I, yeah, but I wasn't sure. Sometimes, you know, I can't tell if you're if you're confused. Oh, that's just perpetually. I'm confused. <laughs> Nothing in my noggin. <laughs> this is what happens when there's a slight miscommunication. Uh, <laughs> it's like, see, I told you before we started, I said, don't worry, Luke. We have no academic credentials. We have no scholarly traditions. Things will anything. fall apart very Things will quickly. fall apart. Here we are. It's fallen apart. It's 15 minutes in, and already I've called you Dory. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Again. Yes. <laughs> Okay. Right. So yeah. Okay. Right. Yes, I understand what you're talking about. Okay. Wait. What happens when you point? What's next? <laughs> you click. Oh, that's why they call it point and click. Sometimes, sometimes <laughs> I don't know if I'm just boring you, and I'm hoping like throw me a bone, <laughs> help me out here. Maybe I'm just boring you. Maybe this is boring. Maybe no one cares. I don't know. That's the mystery. Sometimes when I glaze over, it might be because I'm thinking of important stuff. What happened to this podcast? We're doing so well. Okay, <laughs> let's get back to it. So, you go around, point and click. Okay. Uh, and the things happen, and they, and you tell the story, and the story comes out. And Monkey Island uh, is really funny. It's really that funny. That was the big thing that separated these games, is they were hilarious. Yeah, Monkey Island was so funny. There's this great bit where you've been collecting all these really odd objects like wax lips a staple but this is set in like a pirates of caribbean world right there's yeah. a staple remover there's wax lips all these things right you have these you've accrued a huge mass of stupid items that make no sense right just trinkets that you've picked up but there comes a point where there's um you get into a fight 
and the fight happens behind a wall that you can't see. So you as the audience can't see the fight, but what happens is on the screen, when you would click on it, it goes, use, and then you click on something, it goes, use that with, and you click on something else, and it goes, with this, right? So as the fight is happening, Guybrush is narrating it, and the use command keeps popping up and telling you what Guybrush is doing. So it's like, use wax lips on Rhino. And then Guybrush goes, phew, that was lucky. And you're not seeing this, but the descriptions are so ridiculously surreal. And then Guybrush steps out and goes, wow, that was a really tough fight. (laughs) And you don't play any of it. You just see it all happen. And it's hilarious. Okay. And um, it's, uh, there's other things that are really funny. Like the sword fighting in the game is done as insult sword fighting. So the person does an insult and you have to pick the best insult back to fight them back with and if your insult's better than their insult you beat them in the sword fight that's how it works um, is that what you fight like a cow is, is it, uh, yeah you fight like a cow how appropriate you fight like a dairy farmer no you fight like a dairy farmer how appropriate you fight, you fight like, like a cow, cow. There you go. and then the yeah. point of the boss battle in this was that you don't know what her setups are so you have to work out from all the punches which is the best punch for her setups right because uh, you've been trained what the appropriate set punches for the appropriate setup but with the boss, you don't know the setups. So you have to work out from all those punches you've used which one to use. So she says something else other than Dairy Farmer. Yeah. You go, how appropriate, you fight like a cow. <laughs> um, and uh, so Guybrush is trying to become... He has to beat the Swordmaster. He has to... Uh, he, there's three trials he has to do. And then he has to face the villain of the story, the ghost zombie pirate, LeChuck. And LeChuck is trying to kidnap the governor's daughter and he has to save him and you beat him with root beer. You use root beer to kill him. It's great. Um, you buy a ship. You go to Monkey Island. Um, the, the, so the story of Monkey Island is actually really great um, as you play it out. So, so what's going on here? Like this is a game, but it's a story. How does it work? Well, what Monkey Island does is this. Uh, as I pointed out, you you're the game part of it is you are making choices to work out what is and isn't important. And the idea is when you make certain choices that are right, you unlock the next bit of the story and you are rewarded with story. So in a way, you could say the game is the medium for delivering the story, if you wanted to phrase it that way. I I think that there is, just coming back to your point earlier about games being a choice and stories being stories yeah. that you experience. You reset, reset. Thinking about the um, um, the way Monkey Island works in uh, and the difference um, uh, with games now, I mean, there's a reason people don't do point-and-click adventures anymore. Yeah. Um, there's a limitation of choices yes. in the Monkey Island games, yes. in the point-and-click adventures, because you only go from one scene to the next, and you're, the, the choices are limited to... Yes. The items that are in front of you right um but in the games like now if you have this you know if you think about gta where your uh, grand theft auto where your choices are yeah you know near limitless then yeah. it's a very very different right. way of telling the and story so what you notice as well though is so in gta and stuff the correct me if i'm wrong but you you can run around and just smash things right yeah or you can play the story mode Yes. So Grand Theft Auto is a, is a subgenre of game called sandbox. Yeah. So the idea you being that you've got the, the open world and if you want to you can engage with the story. If you don't you just literally have fun in the sandbox. Right. And you go around stealing cars etc. And the, these crop up a lot but there is a problem with those 
kinds of games, which is that people might just not engage in the story. But when you engage in the story, how does it work? Don't you have? Don't they go? Here's a mission. Do the mission. You keep going until you complete the mission. Yes. And then once you complete the mission, you get the next bit of the story. Yeah, so I it's guess exactly it's, like Monkey Island. So I guess it is exactly like well, in that regard. Yeah, yeah. it's just the it's different the way thing. of delivering. Yeah, it's it's just like it's um, it's it's actually uh, it requires less insight. It's for Grand Theft Auto. For yeah, Monkey for Grand Theft Auto. Right. Because in Monkey Island, to get to the next bit, you have to solve the puzzle. In other yeah. words, you have to work out what the ro- what the next bit of the story is going to be. You, you're trying to see see what the like. You're trying to work out why you've collected this thing. What will get me out of the prison? You're trying to make the choices that the character's making in the story. And when you make yeah. the right choice, the story uh, goes through. So it'd be like, for example, if you're playing a point and click adventure of say The Empire Strikes Back. Uh, you you have to work out. Oh, the choice I have to make is I have to go to Cloud City to fight Vader. Right, right. Uh, and then you see that scene play out. Okay. In Grand Theft Auto, that's not the case. In Grand Theft Auto, you are told do this thing. You do it until you do it, and once you do it, then you get the next bit of the story. But you're not doing it because you've worked it out. You're doing it because you've been told this is the next thing to do. See the difference? Hmm. So. I would suggest the storytelling in Grand Theft Auto is far less than it is in Monkey Island. I would suggest it's less insightful. Oh yeah, yeah, um, and it's less, and it's not. It's even more linear. Yeah, completely. Right, but that's that's kind of the nature of of, of games now, yeah. modern gaming. But that, that, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. No, no, not but, at all. Uh, but my, yeah, but well, yeah, exactly. So what, what I'm saying is that, but even in that, the, the same thing is going on, which is you make choices, then you stop. Then you're told, here's the thing, and then Sorry, you when, when I should clarify, when I said limitation of choices, I just mean um, yeah. it's more a controlling of your choices. Oh, that's... It's a funneling of your choices. I'm not saying oh, that's, that's true. Like, when you're doing the objective, doing yeah, you get to choose exactly how much you drive, how fast you drive, if you get that car, if you don't get that car. Right. Yeah, yeah, that's right. true. Right. Uh, whereas Monkey Island walks It's more interactive th- in that way. Yeah. 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 Well, Monkey Island walks you through these scenes in that's the true. set order, and when you've done one, you go to the next one that they've designated. Uh, yeah, whereas in Grand Theft Auto, you can choose not even to engage in the story. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. That's true. Yeah. So, but the, but the, but even in that case it's still the same thing which is you've got these two sort of settings that it alternates between as in story mode game mode. Yeah. Yeah. And you see this is why this whole games can games be art question is sort of frustrating because it's like by definition no, but that doesn't mean one's worse than the other. It doesn't mean you can't connect them. Yeah, it just means they're two different. Because things. the, I mean, the, the other thing about point and clicks is that yeah. you wouldn't necessarily get them now because the technology is so advanced. Like it would feel like a step backwards. Uh, also, it would feel like retro. Games. Also, because you, the reason point and clicks, is, point and clicks died out partly because they're really, really hard to do because you actually have to tell a really good story. Yeah, but LucasArts did. Uh, so LucasArts made the Monkey Island game. Yes. And there they also a made salmon, a couple of others. The Salmon Max. Salmon Max. Uh, certainly one game. I can't. I think they did another. Day salmon the Max hit right? the road. Day of the Dentical. Tentacle. No, that was Salmon, salmon Max. Max. So there's two Salmon Max games. At least. And there was Grim Fandango, which was very funny. Yeah. There was Loom, as well. So they did a whole bunch. There was yeah. There, there was a whole there was a whole bunch of these point and clicks. I don't know. I even played. Some people have made uh, their own point and clicks. Um, a guy called Yahtzee who does the zero punctuation oh yeah yeah, yeah. he did his own point of clicks I played one of them uh, two of them in fact and they weren't bad at all they were kind of fun uh, they were good he knows games though yeah but they, <laughs> they were good because the fun of those games is it's like any puzzle right 
the, the joy is what the solution is. Yeah. So how good is the solution? Like crime stories. Yeah, they challenge you. How good is the solution? Mm. Um, but but you're making these choices. Oh yeah, sorry. So the point I was making about yeah. m- uh, modern games is. Uh, there came a point when we were playing uh, lots after the original Xbox came out, and we just talk about games and um, like when another uh, FMV sequence would yes. start, so full motion video. Yeah. When um, when the bit when the story would interrupt the game basically, because yeah. that's what it would feel like. Yeah. You would, you it's know, like as Master pattern. Chief, yeah, in yeah. Master Chief, uh, uh, as Master Chief in Halo, you'd run along, you'd defeat the aliens, you'd be blam 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 two hours, and then here's another bit of story. Um, and yeah. it just kind of drip feeds you the story. You're never really that interested in no. the story. No. Um, but that's that's what I would suggest is quite a clunky way of. Yeah, and I, I think also I'm not a big fan of quick time events, which are these these bits in the story in the game where the game is playing a story and it tells you to press a button at a certain time, and if you do, you get it carries on, and if you don't, the game ends and you have to go back and try again. And I'm not a big fan of these things because pressing a button at the right time is f- to get the next bit of story is not a game it's just a test of dexterity sure uh, it's just your reflexes it's like how how quick are your reflexes and it's just like i i i i was playing one of the new tomb raider games and i played for 20 minutes and i was just bored i just couldn't take it anymore it's just constantly like hey can you have to do this uh, at this exact moment, uh, okay, no, you have to go back and do it again. I, I don't care. I want to play a game. I don't. I'm. I, I spent more time watching the game than playing it, and the story is not very compelling. Um, whereas, say, Batman: Arkham Asylum, I don't even care if there's a story. I'm too busy being <laughs> Batman. You know, it doesn't matter. It's, like, it's fun to play. But I'd, yeah, and I think if you if you think of story and game as like a spectrum, yeah, with you know pure gaming at one end and and pure story at the other, then you know it it's all about blending the two, right? And something like Arkham Asylum wouldn't really bother blending that much because it, it's just game. Yeah, I found the story stuff in Arkham Asylum to be boring. Right. I found that really obtrusive and I didn't care. I just wanted to be given another sort of setup I never, of I never, how to beat up them. <laughs> I never saw a little bit. Do they have much story in? They had quite a bit. I mean, I played for nine hours straight the first time I played it or something <laughs> ridiculous. I was in Berlin and I spent the whole time just playing Arkham Asylum and then it was like, you have completed 6% of this game. I can't do this anymore. <laughs> I, I, I will lose my life to this game. We're done. Goodbye. Uh, <laughs> but like... Um, it's just it's so much fun to, to do like so yeah let's go back, back to yeah, Monkey Island so, so Monkey the blending I- of the two yeah Monkey Island blends the two really well it's the game is a lot of fun because it's a puzzle you have to solve and the solutions to the puzzle are really interesting uh, and they're very rewarding and then the story uses those solutions to tell a really good story and so it all so just plays really nicely together. So that's the difference is yeah, you're, when when you're interacting, like the interactions and the story blur. Yeah, they 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 work really nicely together, but they're fundamentally two different things. But they they just they see the way it transitions from one mode to the other is seamless, and it's rewarding on both ends. And um, whereas other games, it's obtrusive. They go now you're in story mode. Right, full motion video, quick time event. Now you're in game mode. Nothing story, nothing. Just do what you want. 
Now you're in story mode again. It's like that's not that that's not cool. Um, and these these aren't just, like you've had. I mean, the, the, you haven't. This isn't just new to video games. You've had the choose your own adventure games. They're you fighting know, fantasy. Novels. Yeah, the book, the novels where they go. This is the situation. You make a choice. Do you want to go to paragraph one, paragraph seventeen, or paragraph thirty-two? And the answer is, you put your fingers in and you check out, and then you work out which one is the best one. Yeah. And then you and you end up with all your fingers being bookmarks. Yeah. And you go, I've made a mistake ten pages, ten choices ago, and you flick all the way back and you make another choice, and you pretend that you always made that choice, and you go that way, and then eventually you go, I've had enough. Where's the paragraph that says I win? I'm reading that paragraph. You've just described every experience of fighting <laughs> fantasy novels that I've ever had. It's great. <laughs> um, but fa- those those novels uh, are like Monkey Island, right? That you are given the situation, you have to make the choice, you choose the choice, you see the play out. Your choice influences the story. Your choice influences the story. This so it's a, game and story. This is as good a moment as any to bring up the game I wanted to talk about yes. as well, which was the Stanley Parable. Yeah. So the Stanley Parable is a game available on Steam, um, and um, the premise is you are a character, Stanley, and you um, appear at the beginning working in an office, um, and you can control, um, at the start, you can control where you look, and that's it. And then a narrator starts talking and says, Stanley sat at his chair in his office and, um, and it was a boring day, etc. And then you realise you can get up and... and Bang uh, game. When, yeah. It's like Shenmue. Right. <laughs> go to work. Earn money. I want to beat up bad guys. No, go to work. Uh, sorry, just to contextualise this for people who don't know. Uh, Luke and uh, one of our close friends, Jason, used to live together. They used to play a game on the Xbox called Shenmue. And I came over once and I asked them what the game was. And it's like a game where you're supposed to be like a guy who trains to be a ninja to fight crime. Find out who killed your dad. Find out who killed your dad. However, Luke and Jason had managed to get this character to have a job in a factory where they would work in the factory in real time. Yeah. Then take the money and go play Outrun in the arcades (laughs) in the game. To which I said, why don't you just buy Outrun? <laughs> and they looked at me like I was a total ass. And they were like, Bass, you don't understand. And then they would spend extra money on buying little Pokeballs that had Sonic the Hedgehog characters in it. Yeah. Yeah. That was Shenmue. It was uh, so much fun. It, for them, <laughs> it, the boring mundanity of it for them was fun. I couldn't. When you started playing video games inside the video game you're playing because they were more interesting than the game. Like, you, you were complaining about working a job, but then you would go home play a fake job to play a video game on a video game that you could have just had the, it's like it was like it was the most trivial version of Inception yeah. and the funny and the funniest thing is is if you'd given me a copy of Outrun to play <laughs> it would have been so much more boring it would have been yeah I needed to work the job in the factory you earned <laughs> you earned those ten quarters for Outrun Anyway. So the Stanley Parable. Um, so he sits, what, at, he sits at his job he sits and his, his desk, and when he leaves his office, where, he plays where, another game. <laughs> he goes to play Outrun. Um, where you you realise that um, uh, as you start walking around, the, the narrator breaks um, then the fourth wall and starts talking to you like you're not doing what you're supposed to. Right. So he says, you know, Stanley walks through the door on the left. And both the doors are open, so you're like, well, okay, do I go through the door on the left, or do I 
kind of go against the grain. Um, and whichever one you do, the game allows you to do. Right. Um, and then the narrator would either start getting angry at you because you were going through the wrong door. Um, and at one point, the narrator, because that's the path I took when I played the game, mm. uh, the narrator gets so angry, he resets you and sends you back to the offices. No, 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 we, do, we need to start the story again. At one point, I deviated from the path so much that he was yeah. setting out. He drew a big yellow line on the floor for me to follow where he wanted me right. to go. And you can still ignore it. But the, I, the, the, way the, game, uh, the way the guys made the game is there are countless different endings. I don't know how many. Um, and it only takes half an hour, oh, really? maybe an hour to play through. Uh, and I've seen two or three of the different endings, but the point what, what is... What is this on, by the way? Xbox? It's on it's on Steam, so it's on PC. Oh, okay. Um, the the point is, no matter what choice you make, it influences... The next choice. The, the, it influences the next one, and That's on right. it goes. And these are just cute little stories. Like, there's yeah. one... <laughs> and you're the one making all the choices all the time. And you're the one making all the choices. There's one... Because you're in an office block, there are computers around, and there's a couple of the computers you can interact with. In fact, there's five. And if you manage to find them all, because you have to go over there and click a button, you see this little um, uh, kind of energy bar almost tick up. And every time you click another one, the energy bar ticks up on the computer screen a little bit more. You're like, ooh, I need to, I need to push all the buttons. If you manage to push all the buttons, yeah. the ending you get, therefore, you walk into this big white room and the, you're just surrounded by buttons and this ch- chanting chorus over the top just goes, push the buttons. And you can walk around and push all the buttons. That's the ending of the game. <laughs> it's hilarious. That's but true. it's this big... Um, you know, it's very oh, not to get too kind of intellectual about it, but it's very existential. Oh, I uh, say it's uh, the, the narrator yeah. is just hilarious as well. By saying that existential, you have cursed us to doing some sort of Gandalf impression. Oh dear, Lord. just so you okay. Know. Whenever you, it's your fault. So at some point in the next, will we uh, half an hour left? Maybe yeah. twenty minutes. Gandalf's just going to pop up. Yes. Okay. But so. It, but that's that. I kind of like this. That I want to play this thing. I know it's good. It's really cool. It's great fun. And no matter who you get playing the game, your yeah. personality influences the way you play the See, game, and therefore you get a different ending. That sounds like the better version of a game I played called uh, One Chance, right? Which was a game where the idea is you have one chance to save humanity. I think from some sort of plague that's causing people to kill themselves, something like that. And you you make certain choices, and you have time. You have five days. Maybe it's called Five Days. Maybe that's what it's called. Something like that. It's a flash game. Uh, and you make choices, and at the end, you either you die because you fail to find the plague, you kill yourself, or uh, you save everyone. You make choices. Okay? And you play it once, and you go, oh, that was pretty cool. And your immediate thing is you want to go back and play it again. Why? Because it's a puzzle. Mm. And you want to go back, and you want to try and solve the puzzle. But because it's a computer game and the way it's designed is it remembers your IP and you can't log back in and try again. It won't let you ever try again. So that's why I think it's called One Chance. You can never try again. So the comment section is how to trick the IP into letting you play a second (laughs) time. Uh, And the reason I hate that is because it's so pretentious. Because it's trying to be art. And you can't see I did bunny ears. (laughs) It's trying to be art. It's trying to be making a statement. I don't want a statement. It's a puzzle. I want to solve the puzzle. Sure. I want to get the story. Stanley Principle. I want to see the Stanley different... Parable. Ar- Sorry, yeah. Stanley Parable. I want to see the different answers to this thing because my choices directly affect the outcome. Exactly. So I want to see all the outcomes I could have made. And 
and it, it doesn't seem like with the Stanley Parable there's actually an objective in the sense of like you win or lose the question is no. just what kind of ending do you get yeah. well with one chance it's very much there's a win or lose thing but you're interested to see how you can lose and in what ways you can win is there more than one winning ending is there more yeah. than one losing ending you want to try you want to keep playing it again and again in the same way that you might want to watch a story again and again to get more insights into it but this one's like you want to play these things again so the fact that you couldn't was a huge mistake of the game I think it was a good marketing ploy but it was really frustrating to deal with and it wasn't fun as a game um, and I've seen other people try to make statements in their games like that because they want to be artists it's like then be an artist do do find a medium that lets you yeah. express these things because games don't express that no that's not what games can do I talked because about, you're making the choice I talked about um, the spectrum between game and, yeah. and and story and there are there it seems to be a whole run of games now um, because Steam has left like independent developers can just yes. put out um, yeah. a, a, put this. out games in a, a um, uh, much more easily than they they were able to before. Yeah, Kickstarter's like people exactly yeah, right. For board um, games. So people are pushing the envelope at the end of story. Yes. Uh, so the kind of the game element is very very small. Um, but they're not it, pushing the game element. They're not pushing the game element. So what you get are stories that you don't really interact with. You experience as you walk but around. You do get people. I remember I did a little quest to find games that pushed the game envelope and not the story envelope, and I found a game called I think it was called Chrononaut. I loved and the idea of it was you played a level okay you're a little robot that can travel through time you play a level but you can't complete the level um, on your own you have to complete the level with your past selves right so the idea is you play the level as a guy you do a thing you go back in so there's a door you step out of. You step out of a door like a tar- like a time machine thing. You step out, you do your thing, you go back in the thing, you close the door, then the door opens again. Your past self does the exact same action, but now you can control yourself to do something else. So, for example, there might be a button you have to press that makes a door open. Yeah. And then you can walk through the door to collect the object, go back to the thing. So your first self walks up, opens the door, waits for the door to be open. You think, how long does it take me to get through that door? Then you think, okay, I'm done. He walks back to the thing, the door closes. The second one comes up, goes up, goes through the door, and if the other one leaves too soon, the door closes, you enter a time paradox, and you have to start again. <laughs> right? And I was like, this is a great, this is such a great puzzle, but brilliantly, it's a puzzle that can only be done on the computer because the computer can replay. Yeah. And then, then I started discovering all these things about game design and computers. Space is infinite. You have as much space as you want. Time is replayable and slow. You can slow time down, speed it up. All these time and space is virtual, and so suddenly you have these whole new things you can play with in the video game. Um, and then there's other things in the video game, like for example, tutorials. You can teach someone how to play a game piece by piece, so you can have lots of complexity in the game because you can always guide them into be into the complexity. Something you can't do, say, with a board game necessarily. All right. And by the way we're talking about games pushing the envelope and how games pushing story envelope end up becoming worse games I should point out there are stories that end up like video games and they're not fun to watch um, these are the games where, these are the stories where basically the character fights a bunch of villains then they progress to the next level and they fight some more Scott Pilgrim did that Scott Pilgrim did it well I was thinking more Suicide Squad oh right In, yeah, yeah, I've not seen Suicide, Suicide Squad does it uh, it's that thing of like they fight a bunch of monsters they go to the next step, step they fight a bunch of monsters they get to the villain 
they fight the villain. That's it. And generally what it means is the villain isn't doing anything. Right. The villain's just sitting there waiting. Eventually the villain will do their big plan, but the heroes just have to keep fighting through that bad guys until they get to it. The Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie, the second one, was fun, but the end was like a video game. It looked like a video game. It looked like a FMV sequence. And it was just them repeating the same beats again and again. Because when you copy a video game, uh, the characters just keep making the same choices again and again and again and again. If you play a mass morgue, for example, like World of Warcraft, you know, you, you just hit the same button. This was the uh, the premise behind... Um, I'm trying to remember the original title now, but it came out as uh, Edge of Tomorrow. Yeah, I loved Edge of Tomorrow. Yeah, Edge that of Tomorrow is terrific. So it's based on a book, and I can't remember what the, the name is now, but the book's uh, fantastic. Live, live, Kill... No, no, live, live, Die, Repeat was the kind of tagline. Oh. Um, I know what you mean, it's ah, based on a book. Something quite violent sounding. Anyway, so at the end of the book, uh, I mean, the film is better than the book. Um, but the oh, book's is it? Too, yeah, the book's terrific in a different way, but I think the film really captured the fun bits of the oh, book right. and then kind of played Yeah, with. that film was funnier than I expected. Yeah. Um, and at the end, the um, the author said, so the, the, the idea of this book uh, came because um, I remember playing computer games and um, oh, yeah. I feel that you like... I remember it. So, yeah. All you need is kill. All you need is kill, thank you. That was the name of um, See, there you go, something violent. Um, yeah. Uh, so yeah, he played a computer. When he when you play computer games, you repeat you yes. go over and over again. You don't beat it the first time or the second or the third. Right. But you learn That's as right. you go. Yeah. And when at the end they give you this big big ending saying, "Congratulations, you're a mighty warrior." He felt like a cheat because it was like the eighth or ninth time that he played the game yeah. or however long. So he said, he's not actually it, a mighty warrior. He's, he's just done it so many warrior. times. So that's yeah, that's how Edge of Tomorrow came about. Yeah, yeah, Tom yeah. Cruise just does it so many times. He, he becomes does. this mighty warrior. Yeah, um, and yeah, that's right. Uh, and Scott Pilgrim is another one where um, that has the game aesthetic. He fights yeah. through levels, but it progresses and intensifies the story as he goes through each level. And also, the world is built on sort of a video game logic type thing. Yeah. Uh, so is Suicide Squad then doesn't work because it doesn't no, progress. It doesn't just, progress. It's just repetitive, right? Uh, even Edge of Tomorrow progresses. Yeah. See, it's the story. In a story, you have to keep progressing and intensifying because the audience is receptive. So you have to intensify the story as it goes on. It's temporal. Yeah. But a video game, a board game, isn't the same thing. It doesn't need to necessarily intensify because the people playing the game are the ones making the choices, provided that they're. They're they're involved and interacting and making the choices. You don't need to progress the story in that way. Some games do have a progression where, like, you the choices change over the course, but otherwise yeah. you're just repeating and getting better at the same task again and again, trying to beat your score, solve as, the puzzle, as we see, overcome this obstacle. You basically a game goes. Here's the obstacle. Here's the tools you have. You make the choices to overcome that obstacle. Until you overcome the obstacle, the game won't progress. Yeah. Whereas in story, that can't happen. The story has to progress naturally by itself. Yeah. And, and, we're, we're, and with games, if the, um, yeah. if the interaction is interesting enough, yes. then th- that can carry yeah. you through the entire game. And, and, I mean, like, see Pac-Man. Right. <laughs> yeah, just keep going until, like, how far... In the, how, yeah. In, it's an endurance thing. How far yeah. can you go? So there's all different types of games, different kinds of stories, different kinds of art, and they, you can mix them. And they're, they're wonderful. But um, here's, the, here's the really interesting thing. Um, why is it 
that games and stories, when you do adaptations, never work either way. I was going to bring up adaptations. They never work either way. Yeah. You know why? It's really it's this is this goes to the heart of why when I say they're not the same thing, they're fundamentally not the same thing. And saying can they be one or the other is ridiculous. Okay, why don't they work? Because in a story, the protagonist makes the choices. In the game, you do. Games don't have protagonists. We call them protagonists, they're not. Lara Croft makes no decisions. You make the decisions. So when you try to adapt Lara Croft to a story, she has no character. Oh, I see. There's no character. There's no story. There's no protagonist. And when you go the other way, you take a game, a story and you turn it into a game, it's not a fun game to play because it's on railroad tracks. You don't make the choices. The character makes the choices. What's the number one problem with making a Superman game that's like Batman Arkham Asylum where you play Superman? They don't want you to make the choice, I'm going to burn everyone alive. <laughs> Seriously, they have a big problem. They don't want the Superman game to allow you to just kill everyone in the game. But so, but it's a game. You have to be able to make those kind of choices. Yeah. You see? So, stories, protagonists make all the choices. Games, the audience makes all the choices. When you try to adapt them, it goes horribly wrong because they fundamentally are lacking the exact thing they need to be the one or the other. A game needs you to be able to make choices. A story doesn't want you to make any. Can you think of an adaptation that came close? Yeah. Clue adapted... uh, (laughs) Clue adapted the board game, but how? By inventing characters and having them make all the choices. Sure. Right? They invented all those characters. They're just named after the clue. Yeah. But they invented them all. Yeah. But when you take a game where the game has a story, supposedly, and then they try and, and transfer then you put that it, yeah, it doesn't work. Pirates of the Caribbean was okay, but it wasn't a full adaptation. You know, it was one of those adaptations that was made legally distinct so they couldn't be sued. <laughs> um, by accident, they took out all the nice bits. And uh, so Pirates didn't work. But, like, generally, like, uh, is there a game? that became a movie or a movie that became a game that works that's uh, really good th- that's really good no I can't think of one I know the um, uh, Silent Hill didn't si- work. Silent Hill didn't work that was the example I was going to bring yeah. up as one that came close but so I know you loved Silent Hill yeah that's because the um, or Silent Hill 2 I think uh, what about the, the big problem with um, all the Dungeons and Dragons type movie I mean oh, role playing games tabletop role playing games should be perfect right yeah they're not why don't they work? As, why don't they work when they when they tell stories about them? They just don't work. There's no characters. You make the characters. You you the player is the protagonist. So for you, it's really interesting. So but, the fun is going around and exploring, and you making all those decisions. Yeah, you make in the game. You make all the choices. In the story, the protagonist makes all the choices. There's no protagonist in the game. These characters don't exist. They ha- all you have is characterization. How they look. The outward traits of themselves. They have no true character. Yeah. Grizzled backstory. Exactly. They have, yeah, like you know, Wreck It Ralph, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> but they have they have no true character. Or when you're playing these games and you're presented with a dilemma and you get to pick, you can pick which way you want to go. Or they play it for you, right? You have whizzed by actually an example. I know Wreck It Ralph's not an yeah. adaptation, but um, that. I mean, it's clearly based on 
yeah, video games, the video games, and the and the gaming world. And I guess that's probably where a lot, that's where a lot of the humor comes from in that yeah. film. But that that film works. Yeah, but it's it's not a game. No, no, it's just really great, really well told. Wreck It Ralph's a real character. He has traits and so forth. So some stories have characters that they like. They have a world. They tell a story in the world, and then the game is something that's taking place as the story is taking place like in role playing games yeah. Magic the Gathering does this they have stories that are doing but you playing the game you don't play the story the story is just happening around the events in the game you know it's like it's like a it's like a backdrop I've just sorry adaptation that works now I've just remembered yeah. one um, but it doesn't quite work and it's a bit of a fudge yes. it's a bit of a crowbar but I know why this works um, because it's not really the game so Halo they released uh, books mm. oh right um, and the original well, Dragons had books like Drizzt Erden that you love right but they're not based on the characters oh yeah yeah okay they're, oh they're, that's they're, right they're, the, the, yeah the Dungeons and Dragons books were all based on you know their they're, they're the backdrop of the world you're playing exactly in. there you go right. so with Halo um, the Halo books were about Master Chief oh um, who's the character you play in Halo who's the character you play in Halo right. so okay. the reason it the reason the first one first one was called Fall of Reach um, and it was all about the backstory of how the planet of Reach fell which they later made into a computer yeah. game I believe um, so it, that's ba- so it's based on the backstory, and it's also about how Master Chief became Master Chief, which you don't know in the game. So you get a real insight into um, his world before the game. Right. The reason I say that worked is because that was quite a fascinating story about how he went from a kid that was basically kidnapped by a yeah. scientist and turned into this um, super soldier. Uh, and his team are really interesting, and how Reach falls is very very interesting then the second book was based on the game Halo Mm. choice for choice right as in I remember the beginning opening chapters of the book walking up the bridges past the waterfall that you go through past every time killing all the same bad guys fighting against the same boss and it was boring yeah because I'd done it all before I had no say in the outcome because I wasn't interacting this time and there was no chance of failure this time as Mm. you know uh, would be in a game and the only way they can make it interesting um, uh, interesting enough for me to finish was by introducing another character, I don't know, a bad character. Right. Um, and so you start reading about one of the enemies. And yeah. So, uh, so, so the, you see, that's the problem with the adaptation. It's not that you couldn't adapt Halo no. one way or the other. You could, but the reason I was saying yeah. the adaptation works is because it's not based on the game. It's based right. on the backstory, which was rich enough, or yeah. a fertile enough ground for them to go they, into. They solved the problem. Yes, which is the problem in between adapting games to story and story to games is protagonist. Yeah, either you have a protagonist, in which case you have to get rid of it for the game, mm-hmm. or you ha- don't have a protagonist and you need to create one. And the problem is when I play Tomb Raider, when I play Halo, when I, when you play a game and you're playing a character, you make the choices. So if the writer is now making those choices for you. What's your response? That's not the character. Right. Lara wouldn't do that. <laughs> right. Master Chief wouldn't act that way because you you were him and yeah. you made different choices, you see? So you have this enormous problem, which is how do you give a per- character that has... How do you give these, th- these characters that have no true character, true character that makes them feel like the original character? How do you do it? And vice versa, how do you take these characters that have real characters and story... And then make them something where the audience chooses to play out those characters in the right way. It's an insanely 
difficult thing to do. Yeah, I can't even fathom a way of doing... The way they do it, like the Batman simulator, right? Batman Arkham Asylum, how do they say, you just have the powers of Batman, go to town. We'll set you in Arkham Asylum so you can... And we'll restrict who you can kill. That's it. Is Arkham Asylum as tough as Batfleck? Uh, he's kind of a wimp. Uh, <laughs> no, but it's 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 really cool, right? But um, but after a while, I mean, even that gets a little boring because you're Batman and you beat everyone all the time. Yeah. And the fun of being Batman, you can't do against people like Penguin. That's more uh, like a boss level. You can't conceal yourself. You can't do all the fun. But it's a Batman simulator. There's the Spider-Man Two, I think, the Spider-Man Two game that came out around the same time as the film was. A oh, Spidey that was sim- terrific. Yeah, but it's just a simulator yeah. oh, of being yeah, Spidey, yeah. right? So, yeah, it's, uh, stuff the plot, just swing around You just town. swing around. Yeah. You, what, in both cases, what is the fun of being Batman and Spider-Man? Having their powers. Yeah. So, their characterization. It's not sure. their true character. Oh, no, you yeah, don't yeah. play the Spider-Man simulator and go, man, that bit where I had to choose whether or not to get Aunt May's medicine or fight Dr. Octopus was really gut-wrenching. You just go like, man, I can see what I did with the web. <laughs> right, so it's not and by the, or the, the a Superman game where you play as Clark Kent. <laughs> so I'm not. <laughs> yeah, and then you go to uh, the Daily Planet and get earn enough quarters to play Batman Arkham Asylum <laughs> within the game. <laughs> within the uh, game, that's a game I would play. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> but uh, my point is not that. Oh, you see what they see how superficial it is. You just play Spider Man with his website. No, there's fun in being Spider Man and being Batman. That's the great fun of them. But there's a drastic difference between those two things. So, if you wanted to adapt stories from games to story, story to game, you have to solve the problem of the protagonist, in either case. Yeah. And then, and uh, for as for, and that's just the basic thing of storytelling in games, which is not, should you mix them? Should you adapt them? Of course you can. It's not, are they art? Well, don't chase the legitimacy of snobs. It's a question of what is it you're trying to do and then realizing how how hard the task is between merging games and story because they are fundamentally opposite. And so trying to solve this problem, there's solutions to it, but they're all very, very difficult and they fundamentally all rest on the fact that you are making the audience do two completely opposite things simultaneously. So it's it's like one of the it's just so hard to do. Like creating a good game is hard. Creating a good story is hard. Doing both at the same time is really hard, but it's doable. It's yeah. just how you want to do it, why you want to do it, and just re- recognizing those problems. That the audience reception of these two experiences is fundamentally opposite, and as a result, you don't have a protagonist with true character. I think. You've already asked, answered the question, so I'm not going to ask what we'll take for our own writing because <laughs> okay. I think you've just covered everything, okay. and it would be repetitious. We should play Monkey Island. I want to play Stanley Parable. I want to play Stanley Parable. What I would say, I know though, that's on Steam. Stanley Parable is on. Oh wait, Monkey Island's on yeah. Steam. Yeah, they remastered it. I think with new ah, graphics and stuff. Nice. Yeah. Um, what I would say is, listeners, um, if you can uh, think of any other examples that we've missed, of which there's probably hundreds, if not thousands. Um, Get in touch via yes. Twitter, and also um, uh, as you can see, like I, I have lots. Uh, there's things about games design that I thought was really interesting for storytelling, 
but uh, I'm not sure if people are interested in hearing about that stuff. So that's a good question to put to the audience. Yes, if you'd Would like... Would you like yes. a whole podcast based on... What was it you wanted to talk about? The, I, there was a number of things I wanted to okay, talk about. Okay, what's the one you really wanted? Top There's of the two. list. There's, oh, two on, there's two on the top of my list. There's two okay. that I want to talk about. Go one on. is about complexity. Of? Of, uh, uh, of how you... Uh, basically, it's to do with complexity and exposition. I learned a lot about exposition from game design. Right. Which is quite interesting. And the other one is to do with world building. How building a world for a game is fundamentally different to building a world for a story. Okay. So there's two topics uh, up for potential discussion. Yes. So if you'd like to hear about them, let me know. But it would mean talking more about game examples that people might not have played and don't know anything about. So down to you. It is. This is you interacting with the podcast. (laughs) Exactly. Boom. Boom. That's my very own mic drop. (laughs) We'll leave it there then. Yeah. (laughs)